Till the tears run down from my eyes Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody Can anybody find me? Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast. This is the Travelers Championship presented by none other than 18 Birdies, the best golf podcast app in the biz. Let's get right to it. What's going on, Golf Addicts? DB here. Thanks for downloading the Travelers Championship podcast. We're going to spend about 30 minutes recapping the U.S. Open, Fox Sports coverage, the just catastrophes that occurred, including Phil Mickelson's quick rake, the sex talk caught on, on microphone, the crowd behavior, butt cheeks exposed all over the place, all kind of great content. So, if you're in it only for the DFS discussion, at around the 29th, 30-minute mark, we give you our course breakdown, and of course, we're going to talk about TPC River Highlands, what it takes to play well, our strategy, the guys we like in GPPs, the guys we like in cash, a little one-and-done discussion at the very end, so uh, be sure and check that out, but if not, stay tuned for the U.S. Open coverage coming up right after the intro. As always, the podcast is presented by our friends at 18 Birdies. We love the 18 Birdies app. We really, really do, and if you download the 18 Birdies app and put in promo code TOURJUNKIES, you get one free year. One year. Not a month, not a week, not a little bit, but a year of premium access that gives you all the GPS features. It gives you all the extra little bonus bells and whistles. It's an outstanding app. We love the guys at 18 Birdies. Be sure and download it. Also, be sure and go listen to that Club Pro Guy native area show that we put up just a day or so ago. It's hilarious. Best 30 minutes of your life. We'll talk about that too in a minute. Thanks again for downloading the podcast and uh, let's get started talking about the Travelers Championship. What's going on, Golf Addicts? DB here of the Tour Junkies. I got Pat with me. It is the week after the U.S. Open hangover. It is our 158th podcast, Pat. How are you, man? I'm good, man. 158, wow. Yeah, 158 podcasts we've done. That's that's just crazy. I didn't even, I mean, that blows my mind. Yeah, man, a lot of podcasts. Lots of podcasts. And, you know, like you said, usually when it's post-major, it's it's kind of that, that hangover-type podcast, right? But I think we, we got a good one here tonight. Yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the U.S. Open. There's so much to talk about, and we had a lot of you on Twitter ask about our takes, and um, there's just a lot going on. So we are going to spend some time talking about the u.s open then we're going to get into the travelers it's a great field at the travelers championship uh, at tpc river highlands so we are going to hit that pretty hard but but we also we can't go without really tackling some of the things that happened at the u.s open obviously brooks kepka defending his title and becoming the first back-to-back u.s open winner since curtis strange who made us all quite aware that he was the last one to do that and how yeah. difficult it happened to be i mean is curtis strange kind of johnny miller-esque i mean he, he was really i had no problems with curtis strange 
But he was kind of getting on my nerves over the weekend. He kept he pronounced Brooks's name wrong a couple times. He kept calling him Bruce. And then frequently talked about how difficult it was to do what he's doing. As if to say, like, well, I did it, and it's so, so, so difficult. Um, but anyway, it, it, he was just part of the whole story. But Brooks hung in there despite a lot of hearts wanting it to be Tommy Fleetwood at the end. Uh, but he fought off his best friend, which also everyone made sure to point that out, that, that him and DJ were best buddies, and they hang out together, play golf together, and they probably, well, I don't want to say that. Um, they do a lot together. But oh, anyway, they work out together. Don't forget they work, that. Don't forget that they they do work out together. They spot each other. Um, yeah. They probably gold bond each other after the workout or before the workout. Um, there's a lot going on there. But Brooks takes it down, man. It was uh, it was interesting. Our picks did pretty good, man. Our rotor grinders video was nails. We faded the right guy. We gave you great scrubs. We gave you good locks. Our 18 birdies article, perfect. Both the 18 birdies article and the Roto Grinders video, perfection. Pod picks did pretty good too. I mean, obviously there was some carnage with the U.S. Open. Had some big names missing the cut, which is what happened last year um, as well. So, so you know, Spieth kind of hurt us. He tried to, to fight back there at the end on Friday, but then just totally just, just I don't know what he did. Um, it was a tough week, man. Shinny, Shinny was tough, but we did pretty well. The chalk bomb was nails. Um, Jason Day was the chalk bomb, missed the cut. There was even some some nice uh, nice prop bets in there that our boy Ben Little uncovered on my bookie. One of them I took advantage of, Pat, and uh, that was the the prop bet that there would be a hole in one at the U.S. Open, and I went to the favorite side. And said no, there would not be a hole in one, and it was uh, the money line was negative was minus one twenty. I put a hundy on there, you know, one eighty bucks off of it. Not too shabby. It was there, there were some close calls. There were some close one. ones on Thursday and Friday. There were some close ones. Yeah, but that was a good call by Ben. Um, Charles Howell played well. He got the tour junkies bump. We had him on the podcast for the U.S. Open. Um, finished top top twenty five, which is good for him. I mean, that's like a, that's one of his best finishes in a major here in a little while. It does. I was glad does, to see Charles play well. Does Finau playing well? Does that count as the bump? Since even though it's been a you know a few you know it's been a minute since that podcast, is it? Or actually, could we even say Brooks gets the bump, even though that was the first one of the first interviews that we ever did. <laughs> I think I think the um, the statute of limitations is out on Brooks, but uh, but but Finau, I'll, I'll give you that one. I think the survey says we're good on that one. Um, I mean, heck, even Charles, you know, Charles said Xander Shoffley was going to play well, who's not been in great form, and look what Xander did. So all in all, man, if you if you were paying attention to the Tour Junkies content last week, you did pretty good, and we had a lot of people tweeting us and and showing us some big money. That was great, good to see. We we're happy for it. Um, but there's also a ton of storylines in the U.S. Open. Uh, Pat, where would you like to start? Because I kind of see, I, I kind of see a few key things. Obviously, we got to talk Phil, we got to talk the USGA, and we got to talk Fox coverage. Where would you like to start? Why don't you give me, why don't you give me your take on one of those three things? We'll let you start. Oh, man, you know, I think I need, I want to start with Fox coverage. Okay. Everybody probably wants us to start with Phil first, but I'm I'm going to save that a little bit. The coverage to me is just still, I, I just it doesn't feel like a major when you're watching it. it. It feels like it's 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 just a show. You got the the loud microphones and the cups, 
they're they're piping in birds and all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, it, it's just and and I can't get used to the I just can't get used to Joe Buck announcing the U.S. Open. And actually, I loved some Shane Bacon. I thought he was great. Um, and, and you know, I think Faxon's okay. And and, and I'm not really as upset with who the announcers are. I mean, Azinger's always been there. But it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like you're at a at a major. And and think about the the what we've had since Fox has been covering the U.S. Open. You know, we've had Chambers Bay, which is the first one, and that was just a crap show when it came to coverage. Then you had you know you had Oakmont, which is you know that was okay with DJ, and then you had you know Aaron Hills last year, which was just. I mean, a totally different U.S. Open than you ever see. I don't even feel like Fox just doesn't seem... Maybe they're just unlucky with what they're getting because then they get Shinnecock this year where you have a total crap show on Saturday. But that's not their fault. But still, it's just... I I don't know. I'm I'm just not... I cannot get on board with Fox coverage of the U.S. Open. I just... I think, you know, maybe this is the old school, you know, Pat 2 that's coming. I just feel like we need just the normal... You know, NBC coverage or whatever, just not all this this new school stuff. It just I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. I was gonna say you sound like an old fart right now. Yeah, you well, sound you sound like an old guy that can't handle change at the moment. Yeah, I'm not. I just not a big fan of the Fox coverage. Now there's certain things I do like. I love some of the the you know what they would do like when they you know the players on the tee and they would show kind of the carry you know and, and the love that yeah i love all that kind of stuff that is i'm okay with it's just the added stuff that just doesn't need to even be there just let it be golf let golf be the stage not the broadcast the broadcast doesn't need to be the show golf needs to be the show that that's kind of and then take it from there be be fox be whoever you want to be but that but but don't like try to create a show let it like you know let it come out from the course. You know, let mm. it just be what it is. Does that make sense? Regular Steven Spielberg you are, just mm-hmm. producing this thing. Uh, thoughts on Holly Saunders? I mean, what about her? I, I don't know. I feel like I'm watching a robot. Like the What? <laughs> I feel like she's like the, the a girl from, like, the Stepford Wives or something. <laughs> um. I mean, she yeah. doesn't. I, she doesn't. I mean, she's okay. I mean, she's. Well, you're know. gonna get some tweets for that. <laughs> you're gonna get some <laughs> tweets for that. Yeah, you, you get some guys firing off tweets in their car as we speak for that one. <laughs> um, I thought Shane Bacon did a great job. We tweeted him today. I think he did a great job. I, I don't mind Joe Buck. I like Joe Buck. I think he's he, he's improved as it comes to golf, um, as opposed to what I remember him being at Chambers Bay. Um, and like calling stuff by the wrong, I mean, you know, he's like, he's like doing Chambers Bay and saying like, Jordan Speed's going to approach the ninth inning here. And, uh, you know, it's like, he was saying all the wrong terms. He didn't know <laughs> which end of the club they were holding. Um, so I, I think Joe Buck's fine. I like Joe Buck. I like Zinger. I, I, I like what he brings. I, Curtis Strange got on my nerves with the arrogance and some of the, the Johnny Miller stuff. Johnny Miller vibe is what I kept thinking from Curtis Strange. Um, the holes in the cups. I'm over. I'm over that. Why do we even have that? Like, who sits in a room and says, "Hey, you know what? Let's put let's put sound." I guess, I guess the reason they have it is to pick up. I kept seeing this on Twitter is to pick up audio from the players and caddies. But I felt like 
it never really picked up any audio. I mean, maybe it did. I guess I guess there was a couple times I remember. The but, only but I mean, time I remember not... hearing like really good audio was like when Spieth was crapping the bed on his last two holes, and he was really grinding over that putt on seventeen that he missed with with Greller. I do remember them picking up on that, which was pretty cool. I guess that's the only reason, but but it is it is quite obnoxious. I don't know that it's worth the trade off. It's obnoxious. I don't need your sound to show, to let me know the ball's in the hole and rattling around. I can you see can't it see with my it. freaking yeah, eyes. <laughs> yeah, unless like Ray Charles is watching the golf tournament, I think we're okay. And and like I said on Twitter, Helen Keller could hear that freaking rattle. It was the loudest thing on the TV. It was it was like when you're watching TV and the commercials all of a sudden jump up like ten decibels. The same thing happened with the with the ball in the hole. It was it almost startled me every time somebody made a putt and I saw it coming in and I still jumped. It's just so freaking loud. But I don't really feel like it picked up a whole lot of stuff. Maybe a little bit, but I just I'm not a fan of that. I'm I'm. It's I love the graphics that they work in. A lot of shot tracer, which I like. I love that graphic and the layout over the golf courses or hitting the tee shot. I did I did see some complaints on Twitter about them showing too many putts, which I kind of feel like that's golf coverage anyway. Um, I also saw some complaints that they were showing the same players on Thursday and Friday, which I do think they were guilty of that. They didn't really show a lot of the field um especially on friday guys that were struggling to make the cut but that's also regular freaking golf footage i mean if you're complaining about that you must not watch a lot of golf yeah if you're complaining yeah you can't just now you got to give fox that they're just doing whatever everybody else is doing there i mean that's that's nothing abnormal now you also had the the sex talk that they picked up. Uh, now i don't know if that if that microphone was in a was in a cup but they they definitely picked up Basically, it was like, it was like, let me think about this. It was like Howard Stern and Hugh Hefner in the audience of a golf tournament talking about their latest, uh, (laughs) their latest bang. I mean, dude was like, yeah, we headbutted. We were going at it so hard. And I'm like, holy moly. They, of the thousands of people on the golf course, this is who you guys picked up on. Now they said it was a crowd. Uh, it, it was it was crowd members. I know when it first happened, I thought, and a lot of people thought, it was somebody that worked there. That it was like catching some discussion. Well, so yeah. loud. So I don't know if it's, it's a so PR loud and move that they're saying they picked up a crowd a crowd member. But wow, I mean, it was it was vulgar, vulgar, vulgar stuff. <laughs> um, you, you had that, and then one of my favorites on Sunday. <coughs> excuse me. I'm sitting there watching it with my family on Father's Day, and I gotta get, I gotta see uh, Lordy Hendrick Stinson's caddy's left ass cheek on the range for like 24 seconds. The, the, the guy's showing the thing. I'm like, I've actually seen some level of film production work, and like when there's multiple cameras, and there's a director in your ear saying, "All right, camera two, you're on," and then it says like, "All right, off camera two, or what? You know, and they're like switching cameras. How does someone at Fox not see that we're staring at this very Swedish white ass for seconds on Father's Day Sunday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern, and they just leave the shot up there? (laughs) I mean, it's funny. It's really funny. I enjoyed it. I'm not offended by it. My kids laughed at it. But I just think if I'm trying to produce a professional broadcast, I don't understand how people let that roll, like how that how they let that go for forever. It was quite interesting. Um, so Fox had some blunders. It was kind of a calamity of of coverage, if you will. Um, 
they definitely get they definitely got some drama though. In fact, Pat, I think one of our our more popular tweets was your tweet about the golf uh, publications and the writers and the news media and their overreaction to the Phil Mickelson uh, putt heard around the world, quick rake, uh, whatever you want to call it, rules <laughs> violation. Um, t- take on that, buddy. Well, I mean, so I, I think there's a couple different aspects to the whole Phil thing. You had one, you had whether or not he should have been DQ'd or not, and, and the, the rules of golf and all that kind of stuff. I don't. I'm not as concerned about that as far as what I saw. Like, I mean, you, if you had told me that day or that night, okay, they DQ'd him, I probably would have been like, all right, whatever. I understand why. I mean, I get it, and I get it. I get the other way. So I'm sort of in the middle there. But what drove me crazy is it seemed like every single writer from a major publication just went on the same take that he just, you know, somehow. If this was a black eye on the game, and that <laughs> Phil will never recover from this, and just so, drama, drama, dramatic take that it was just that the kids like Andy North, kids are you know that watch this are just ruined by what Phil has done. That is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard. It is that there's no way that Phil will come out of this. Like there, it's it's gonna nothing in two weeks from now is it even gonna be talked about with this. I don't think if my kids were watching this and they were like just starting golf, that all of a sudden they're gonna start quick raking and not following the rules of golf and all that kind of stuff. I mean, just by what I mean, it, it's and it was funny too. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, not only was it funny on Saturday, but it was funny on Sunday when he reacted like he did when he made a par. On that hole? Yes. On the 13th? Yes. I mean, that was hilarious. Look, I think a guy like Mickelson, who has put as much into the game that he's put into this game, that has been as good to it and just has brought so many fans to the game. Obviously, the New York fans love him there. I mean, they're singing happy birthday, like serenading him, like, you know, constantly. Um I just think he deserves like the benefit of the doubt. I don't think you can bash him that he's gonna, you know, that it's just this is some sort of huge black eye. Just not a fan of that. And it and it was really just I'm okay if a few people have that opinion. That's fine. But why not have you know why why does every single writer have to have the same opinion? Like this holier than thou that we are the protectors of the golf game and that Mickelson is just you know, offended us so much. I mean, it just, it drove me up the wall, which is why, you know, I don't tweet obviously as much as you do, but if I tweet something like I did on Sunday, and there's a good reason for it, and that was why, because it was just, it was fine. I had enough. I had enough of all these. And then no laying up and all these other people. I know people are going to get mad at that, but everybody's, you know, just going to be, you know, all hugging on each other about it. It just ticked me off. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, the uproar should have been Patrick Reed's Sunday outfit. I mean, you wear black stripes with navy pants. That just irritates the fool out of me. And and I got to I gotta believe that Nike scripted that for him because it's a major, and most of the time they script the outfits. And if, you know, Nike's a trendsetter. I mean, blade collars and all. So clearly they're trying to force black on navy. I've never been a black on navy guy. I think it's a travesty. I don't wear black and navy together. I think you 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 leave that you leave those two separate 
And and when I saw his outfit on Sunday when he teed off, the black stripes over the gray like block on the side, and the the very clearly navy pants, I, I thought, you know what, this is what people should be outraged over. Like this is this is what's offensive. Um, but if Nike's trying to push that on us, that is not that is not something I'm buying into. I'm not buying into blade collars, although our boy Ben Little is, and I'm not buying into wearing black and navy together. You wear one or the other, you leave the other at home. I don't understand it. And if Nike didn't script the outfit and Reed picked it out, it doesn't surprise me. He also used to wear colored pocket flaps, but I, 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 that really outraged me. But on the Mickelson thing, you know, I am not a Mickelson apologist. I'm not a huge fan of the guy. Like, I like him okay. I think we've talked about this on the show. I'm sure we have in 158 episodes. Um, I've heard things about Phil that 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 he's a little different on, on the inside of the on the in, when the cameras aren't on than he is when they're when they are on. I, I've just never been a huge Phil Homer. I don't. I don't. I, I'm a little indifferent. I may even. I may even lean more towards not liking him than I do like him. Uh, he's just not one of my favorite guys. So I'm not one of these guys that's going to run off and apologize for Phil and be like, you know, making excuses for him. I, that's not me. Um, I thought it was funny. The, the, the USGA and the pin placements on Saturday and, and the conditions, I mean, it just kicked these guys, these guys' butts. All, and he was irritated. He's frustrated. The guy has been on tour with basically, other than a lot of insider trading, he's, been, he's got a pretty <laughs> spotless record on the PJ Tour. You know, like, he doesn't – He's not he's not doing stuff on the golf course in his nearly 30 years to disrupt things or to break rules or to whatever. Like, that's just not how he is. And for these guys to just wig out, there's the video circulating of that 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 um, that British announcer saying he looked like an ass and just letting him have it. And then the thing Andy North said is it just couldn't be more stupid. And and I think David Jane on Twitter commented on on your post that it's obviously it's just golf writers trying to get clicks because it's a dying business, which I get. Um, but man, I, I think at this point you could almost get as many clicks being contrarian to that opinion and not being like everybody else and saying, "Hey, I got no problems with what Phil did." Forget it. Like nobody nobody will think about this in a few weeks. You know, he's the most likable guy since Arnold Palmer on the PGA Tour, and and. and it, is, it just does nothing. The, the fact that these people think it could taint his legacy is the most ridiculous, <laughs> asinine, stupid thing I have ever heard. It, it is so, so, so stupid. We will free, we will, there will be a day where somebody will bring this up and you'll go, oh, yeah, like you'll forget about it. So it, it, was, it was interesting, but like I said, I think Reed's Sunday outfit was a greater travesty. Um, the... The last thing I'll say is the crowd behavior to me. I'm not, you, you know, I mean, hey, I, I'm I'm one of these guys. I think it should be fun to go to a golf tournament, and I think if you're gonna if you're gonna feed beer down my throat, and I'm gonna pay all this money to come to a golf tournament, I want to have a good time. But man, I, I don't, and I don't know. Like maybe Fox just again with their microphones everywhere. I mean, they must have had microphones. They must have mic'd everybody up as they walked through the gate. I've never heard so much nonsense at a golf tournament. Dumb stuff. Not there was like one or two or three slightly funny things that people would say, but a lot of just dumb, dumb stuff. Like these nineteen, twenty-year-old, you know, college kids or something are just saying dumb stuff after after they hit a shot. And I was like Sunday, I was getting irritated. I kind of felt like like you. I kind of felt like an old man. And I'm like, shut these young whippersnappers up. You know, like ha- have. Have some fun, but like, don't 
why do you have to yell after every dumb shot and like say some stupid thing? And and I even heard I heard a couple things that I mean uh, I heard I heard on Sunday when DJ hit a putt short, somebody said somebody said something like take your skirt off. Like I could hear it on TV. Did you hear that? I didn't hear that one. The one I do remember on Sunday was, and it was just it was very in when Tony Finau had a shot and somebody yelled out, "How's your ankle?" Um, that is so dumb. Like, you know, I want to know. Here's the thing: why, why is this stuff being said? Like, we have we've got to have a lot of listeners out there that are new to the game. That that maybe if they they haven't been to a tournament before, they're they're they've gone. They they want to go to one soon, or they have friends that are new to the game and get like, what is what is the purpose of it? Like, I don't understand. Like, why you're yelling out stupid stuff? Like, I, and I'm totally with you. I think the game needs to be fun. You got if you're going to an event, you're paying money and doing whatever, drinking beer out there. Yeah, have a good time. But I don't. I just don't get. I want somebody who is that guy. I want somebody, <laughs> the Baba Booey guy, to tell me why he's doing it. Like, what he gets out of that. So that maybe, like, maybe I can understand why the hell you're doing it. Because I, I just don't get it. it and it's, it's just stupid. And it... Ah. You know, Colin Cowherd used to say this. Now, this is going back to his, like, ESPN days. And I don't know if he still says this, because I don't listen to him anymore. But when he used to be on ESPN radio, he used to say that a lot of... That, that, that live sporting events were losing a certain demographic because of another and what he used to say is you go to an nfl game a lot of the people that are in the 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 seats not in the not in the clubhouses or you know or the the air-conditioned parts but a lot of people that are in the seats that's that's job guy not career guy he would say it's a job guy and he said that doesn't mean he that doesn't mean he doesn't want to be a career guy or he's not working towards being a career guy but he's job guy He's like, you know, a little more rough around the edges, uh, a little lower educated, a little lower socioeconomic level. Coward used to talk about this, and it was polarizing. People didn't, people didn't like hearing it, but it, but it's kind of true. Like when you go to when you go to a major sporting event and you see the type of people, the people that are doing this and saying this dumb stuff, a lot of them are would fall into kind of that category. It's just some. It's just not. There's something missing there, and, and I don't understand. I don't understand what it is either. So, I, I, so do you think so? Somebody who's like, and just for lack of a better example, but because we hear it all the time, the Baba Booey guy does. Does that guy? What is the satisfaction that's that's coming out of that? Is that guy going home that you know late or going into his job the next day and saying, "Hey, look at this! I said Baba Booey, and look, I got it on. I got it on recording right here. How cool is this? That that was funny." <laughs> Like, is that what they're saying? Like, what is this, what is the satisfaction of that? What is the what is the drive behind that that you're getting from your friends? Because if it were me and it were my friends, I'd be like, "That's the stupidest thing I've ever." Th- I mean, why would you even do that? You know, that's 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 pretty dumb, and it wasn't very funny. Like, so where, where is this coming? In, from? They probably travel in packs. You're you're there with other other guys like you who think it's funny, but and obviously there's drinking involved and egos and you're trying to show off and all this stuff so you know i i don't know but it is definitely it is definitely annoying that's for sure um so i think i think we've i think we've i think we've tackled it do you, do you feel like there's anything else left for the u.s open that we need to cover pat anything else you need to get off your chest maybe burning 
No, I feel like I'm, I feel like people have maybe I don't know they've heard too much from me about my takes on this. But congrats, <laughs> Brooks Kepka. That's an amazing accomplishment, by the way, to go back to back in a major. Very. Yep. Yep. Outstanding stuff from Brooks. Um, all right, couple of quick announcements before we move on. Pat, we interviewed Club Pro Guy, and we put him in the native area, and we released the podcast uh, Sunday night. It's about 30 minutes long, 34 minutes long. It is the funniest 30 minutes that we've ever put in one episode of the Tour Junkies. You've got to go listen to it if you have not already. Club Pro Guy is, is a parody account on Twitter. Um, kind of poking fun at guys who played golf at some sort of competitive level and now work in the golf shops around the world and the egos that are involved and all this kind of stuff. The guys, the, the guys just taking it by storm. 50-something thousand followers on Twitter. Absolutely hilarious content. And we took him in the native area and asked him a lot of questions that we ask our other PGA pros that we bring in the native area, but we also asked them a couple questions that we we don't ever feel comfortable asking the other PGA Tour pros, and we finally got to ask him because he would answer him. So quite hilarious interview. If you're not following Club Pro Guy, you're missing out. Uh, so download that episode and listen to it. It's a must. Very very funny. And tell your friends about it and retweet. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, all right, Pat. Let's. Uh, what do you say we get into this? You want to talk a little, talk a little Travelers Championship? Yeah, let's go. All right, hit us with the course breakdown. All right, so yeah, we are at the Travelers Championship this week in Cromwell, Connecticut. You know what? This is actually I, when I when I went into it, I was thinking this is not going to be a great field, but it's a it's a pretty good field we got this week. So pretty excited about it. Probably has something to do with you know Connecticut. Obviously, not very far down the road from. Uh, Shinnecock, so we got a lot of good players here. We are at TPC River Highlands. This course plays just over 6,800 yards. I love it. I love when we get a short course. Um, Par 70, it's a peat die design. You got POA um, with kind of a mix of bent grass, blend greens here. They typically don't run too fast. I mean, they're they're probably going to run about 11 on the stint meter. There are a decent amount. There's a decent amount of slope here, so they're they're difficult greens, um, despite the fact that they're not going to run too fast. Yeah, you know, being a short course, yeah, I don't. Obviously, bombers are not going to have a, a great advantage here. You do you do have guys like Bubba who's won here twice, um, but this course is all about hitting fairways and hitting greens, and really putting well on the on these tough greens you know you've got you know the rough is typically pretty high here so i think scrambling is going to be a little bit of a factor but ball strikers are this is this is just a ball strikers course you got to move the ball left and right off the tee um you know doesn't favor any particular um ball flight but if you look at a guy like bubba i mean he obviously is is one of those guys that has that um, you know has that that right to left ball flight and has played very well here. You got two par fives, both are going to be reachable, so they they should be scoring holes. Um, four par threes uh, on the front nine, two of them, the both of them are actually two hundred plus yards, and then the par fours are just, I mean, they're all relatively benign. There's n- there's not a whole lot of you know from off the tee. These guys are going to. This is a wedge game week. I mean, that is what is going to be all about. Proximity to the hole, greens and regulations, ball striking—that is all. This is going to be 
But the course has, you know, with these tough greens, and if we do get a little bit of a wind, I mean, th- there's not like, it's not like this This is, a you know, going to be a, you know, 30 under par a week or something. It's, it's not that because it is, you know, they put these pins in very tough positions. But you did have a guy like Furyk, what was that, three years ago where he shot 58 or 59 here. So you can't have some, was that, that wasn't last year, was it? But he did. I mean, if you get benign winds and things like that, it's not going to. You know, it's it's a fairly easy course. Looking at past champs, you had Spieth last year. You had Russell Knox in 2016. Bubba in 15. That was his uh, second win here. Kevin Strelman in 14. Ken Duke in 2013. And uh, I love that Ken Duke won on this course. Uh, but this is a course that a guy like Ken Duke can win on. Uh, and then you had Mark Leishman in 2012. So um, that's a quick rundown of the course. I think, um, again, it's a great field. Looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, it is a good field coming off uh, a major. Uh, I am, too. I think I think it does present an opportunity for just about anybody to win. Bombers, short hitters, wedge players, putters, whatever. I mean, it just kind of it kind of opens up the field to everybody, which is fun. I think Bubba plays well here because you have to work the ball both ways, and he enjoys that creative side of golf. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's a, a beautiful course. It does play a little harder than your average course on tour, but you do see a fair amount of birdies here. So I think scoring is going to be really important. I'm weighing heavily DraftKings scoring. Um, and then obviously your strokes gain categories. Um, other than that, you know, form, course history, ownership, that's all coming into play. Uh, you know, I think historically, if you look at it, guys coming off the U.S. Open that come here, you know, that, that play the next week, about half of them uh, do pretty well, and uh, about half of them can, can miss the cut. So uh, it just kind of depends, um, you know, on on – I don't know. I guess it just kind of ranges from from guy to guy. So I don't know that I would over complicate that decision or you know take that too heavily into consideration when you're making picks. But it's a strong field. It's a solid field. So I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, Pat, I'm going to let you start because I'm going to go get a quick refill. Is that okay? We we got started late because of you, so I need to go refill. Oh well, okay, yeah, sure. So I'm going to um, let you hit the top tier. This won't yeah. take long. Yeah, got to refill so, the old podcast juice. Go do it. Go do it. Right. Um, yeah, so I think you know we're starting with you know this range from the 10k and up. You got JT at 11.5. You got Brooks Kefka coming off that U.S. Open win at 11.3. Rory at 10.9. Jordan at 10.6, and then Patrick Reed at 10,000. I am going to tell you this right off the bat: I'm not going to have any JT or any Brooks at the top at 11.5 and 11.3. I am just going to fade them, and I, you know, here's the thing. I think there's a, a decent enough value below here where you really just don't need to pay up for guys like that. But I do like Rory and Jordan right there at ten nine and ten six. Look, here's the thing: both of them are coming in 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 not great recent form, or either hit or miss. Um, so I think their low, their ownership could be low. I like them in GPPs. Rory for me, you know, he's a he's a guy that is you know. He can play well on courses like this, even though you don't have to, have to bomb it. He started off poorly last year at the Travelers, but then played really well the rest of the way. If he can get off to a good start this week, I think that he could. we could easily see him win this. Jordan is another guy. This course is perfect for his game. He has said it. His caddy has said it. 
He obviously won this last year. I can I can easily see him going back to back. We have two back to back winners in a row this week. Um, so I think that I think Jordan's a great play at ten six. Checks the box and ball striking. Also, proximity is a stat that I looked at. I looked at this stat last week or last year for this tournament. It worked. Um, I'm going to look at it again. So I do like Jordan with uh, with his proximity. So those are the two guys that I'm really going to be zeroing in on in the over 10k range. Not going to hate you though if you want to play some Patrick Reed. Obviously has he has good course history too. Checks the box and strokes gained approach, scrambling, and has been putting really well lately. Um, yeah, putting's a stat that's, that can be hit or miss, but I do like just looking at least at trends on where they are lately within the last few tournaments, and Reed fits there. So I, I'm okay with some Patrick Reed. So there you go. I, I, I do. I think that the bottom half of this 10K range is where I'm going to just fit all my lineups, and I'm going to fade JT and Bro. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to play one guy in this range. And of the 10K and above, so from Reed and above, he is the highest-ranking guy in the last 12 rounds out of this group in strokes gained approach. He's the second-highest in strokes gained off the tee. He's the third-highest in DraftKings points scored, and he is the second-highest in strokes gained around the green. And he is the most expensive. At 11.5, I'm going to play Justin Thomas. I think a lot of people are going to be off of him in GPPs now. I don't think you have to. You, you need to play Justin Thomas in cash. I think you save. I, I, I think you save the salary and you come on in the in the middle, and that's kind of where you play when it comes to cash lineups. But in GPPs, I think a lot of people are going to fade JT and Brooks. Uh, I'm with you on Brooks. Probably won't have a ton of him, but I will pay up for JT here and 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 hopefully get a little low ownership on a course where birdies are going to be prevalent. Um, I think I think JT is interesting here. And I'll probably fade the rest of them. I mean, and he has—he doesn't have great history here either. And I think that's going to drive ownership down as well. I mean, he's—he's he's made, he's made two cuts and he's missed two cuts. His best finish was a tie for third in 2016. But um, I think I think Justin Thomas is an interesting play in GPP formats. Other than that, like I said, I'm just—I'm probably not going to have anyone else in this 10K range and above. I mean, Spieth, i have been on him for freaking the last. I, I just. I'm not going to do it anymore until I see something. I'm just not. I think he'll make the cut. I'm just not going to mess with it anymore right now. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't see him going from where he has been as consistently bad as he's been. I don't see him going from that to now winning this. I, I could have seen him winning the U.S. Open just because I think he shows up at big events and he wants to win these big tournaments. But I don't know, man. I, I just got to see something different. Um, I don't mind the Rory call, especially at ten nine. Another birdie, you know, birdie maker. He was just so bad. I mean, he was really bad. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I get it. I, I think there's. Um, I, I just feel like, for me, in, especially in tournament plays, I, I'm I'm okay. I think we're we're gonna get continued low ownership in those guys, and they're gonna pay off at some point. So yeah. Um. So yeah. Now, I love the bottom half of the 9K, top half of the 8K range, which I'm sure a lot of people are going to be on. I, I like that spot. Um, I'm, I was, by the way, I won the Paul Casey Bryson DeChambeau bet. I don't know if you knew that. Did you know that? No. What was the bet? Yeah, that, that, that Paul Casey would finish better than Bryson DeChambeau in the U.S. Open last week. Oh, uh, okay. Great. You were very adamant against that, and Paul Casey beat him. Good job. Yeah. Um, was it close? 
Uh, Paul Casey finished 16th, and DeChambeau finished 25th. So, yep. Uh, anyway, uh, of those two, however, I'm I'm only going to play DeChambeau. I'm I'm going to get on DeChambeau. I'm going to fade Day and Casey here. Um, I think it's a good spot to get on DeChambeau. The, the, the ball striking has just been incredible. He's third in this field over the last 24 rounds in DraftKings points scored. He's making birdies. Uh, I'm digging a little DeChambeau. Uh, I, I'm. I'm going to hop on Leishman again. I, I'm, I have a hard time quitting Mark Leishman, and I would have quit him this week, but his record here is super, super good. Gained 30, nearly 30 strokes in the last six, six try, or five tries here um, with just an outstanding record from a, a box-checking standpoint. Uh, Leishman is 10th in DraftKings points. He's not doing great in anything else. So... I don't know, but I think Leishman is interesting at 93. My favorite play in this range is easily Ryan Moore at 9,000. He is first in this field in strokes gained approach, fifth in strokes gained off the tee, and uh, that's in the last 12 rounds, and 14th in DraftKings points scored in the last 24 rounds. Great history here. 25 strokes gained in the last five years at this event. Last time we saw him was at the Memorial. He finished tied for 13th. I think Ryan Moore's a slam dunk. GPPs, don't care how popular he is, I'll play him. Cash games, I think he's a lock. So uh, that's the 9K range for me. I like I like DeChambeau, Leishman, and Moore. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm... I'm in agreement with you, actually. I think Bryson's one of my favorite plays. I just don't – I can't – I'm not going to jump off him. I'm going to keep riding his that train. I mean, he's just been playing great all year. I do like Leishman. He was another guy that I had written down. Uh, and Ryan Moore is one of my favorite plays. I mean, he's also you – know, he's just number – he's number one in the field in driving accuracy and greens and regulation. He pretty much is just – for this course, he's he's the guy. He is the number one play when it comes to the stats that you're looking at. Uh, to play well here, um, so I do like Ryan Moore at nine thousand. I'm interested in, and I was kind of—I don't know what to do with Day. So I was going to ask you what you think with Day because you never mentioned him there. I know and, it's it's, a, it's the same reason why last week we said to fade Day because you know he's doing it all with the putter, man. He's doing it all. He really with is. The yeah, putter. he's number one in the field in strokes game putting. He is 98th in this field in strokes gained approach over the last 12 rounds. He is just iron plays not there now. Now I will say I don't know. Like let's see. I don't know what the, I haven't looked at the rain, but if the course is going to play soft and bombers are going to just rip away, maybe you play him there because despite the poor approach game. He's 13th in this field, strokes gained off the tee. So he's hitting the driver well. And, and because it's such a short course, if he can hit, you know, eight or nine drivers in a round um, and then have wedge in, his wedge game hasn't been terrible. It's just the, the iron game has been bad. So that, that would be the only thing, the only caveat to Jason Day. And at 9,800, it's, it's, it's attractive. I mean, it's a decent price for a guy like him. But it's the same reason we faded him last week. The iron play is just not there. So I don't know. I'm just not. Well, and another thing, if you look at, you know, I looked at proximity, and if you look at, let's just say, and he'll probably get a lot of, you know, this 125 to 150 yards in, he's 100th in the field. Hmm. Which, that amazes me. Like, I would think, and again, like you said, it's all putting. He's also 7th in the field in, in uh, 
scrambling. So I think yeah. he's, he's obviously doing all of those things around the green well, really well, but everything else just, just doesn't, leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. All right, let's get into the 8K range. I'll let you start here. Um, what are you going to do with Bubba Watson? I'll start, I want to start by asking you that question. You know I'm a sucker for Bubba. Yeah. <laughs> I just am. <laughs> um, you know, but he's, you know, you're looking over the last 24 rounds, you know, he's checking the box and ball striking. Um, obviously, he's strokes gained off the tee. I mean, that's, that's just a given for him. I like that this is a course that he, you know, I, Bubba plays courses that he feels like he's going to do well on. Now He loves he, this golf course. Yeah, he loves it. Now, U.S. Opens, yes, he's... He hasn't. He didn't fare well last week, but he he's got to play in it because it's a freaking major. But I like him on courses that he really likes, that he feels comfortable on. He's obviously won twice here, so yeah, I'm gonna play Bubba, and I think you might get a little bit of a you know of an ownership dip based off of the U.S. Open, which doesn't even really matter when it comes to him for his for recent form purposes. So I do like Bubba this week. He's you know he's in the top twenty in the field and DraftKings scoring, which you mentioned is one of the things that you really like. Um, so I, I'm certainly okay with playing him. I think that um, Hoffman's a, a good play at 8700. He has really good course history. He was T3 last year. Checks the box in proximity for me. Obviously had a pretty good week last week. Um, Jeff, well, I almost said freaking Jeff not. Russell Knox. <laughs> the Augusta National. <laughs> the legend, legend Jeff, Jeff Knox. Knox. Russell Knox at the bottom of the 8K range. I, I like him a lot. He's just he's in sneaky good recent form. I mean, he was 12th last week, 44th before that, 20th, 16th, and that's his last four events. So pretty good. I mean, you've got three top 20 finishes. Um, a guy who's won here before, obviously, a couple years ago. At eight thousand, so I do like Russell Knox. Um, I don't know. That's it. That's about it, really. That I have is is really my favorite to this eight K ring. Well, we got some agreement. I, I'm out on Bubba though. I'm not playing Bubba, despite him loving the golf course, which he does. I, the form still isn't there, even beyond the U.S. Open. The form has not been there. So I, here's another. All- I'll, I'll let me let me inter- interject real quick. Mm-hmm. You talk about, I think a few podcasts ago, we were talking about the Ryder Cup. And I think that Bubba, obviously, we know he wants to be on this yeah, Ryder Cup true. team. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is one of those tournaments where he can, because he's won it twice before, he's confident here. There's a little bit of a, just a maybe an inch of added motivation to play well because he wants to solidify that Ryder Cup you know, team. Um, so we'll we'll see. I don't know. That's just a little side note. No, I think that makes sense for a guy like Bubba. I think that makes sense. This you you are getting to the point of the year where guys are looking ahead of that, um, and they're looking at the rankings and they're seeing if they're on the bubble or they're seeing if they're within reach of getting there. And Bubba's kind of on the bubble. Um, so I think that makes sense. I think that's a good call. I, I'm still going to fade him. I think he's going to be popular too. So I don't mind fading him for that reason. Um, for me, I don't have a ton in here. I, I'm going to jump on Patrick Cantlay. And mm-hmm. I know I have a hard time quitting Patrick Cantlay, but he's top 25 in strokes gained approach, DraftKings points, top 10 in strokes gained around the green. Off the tee, he's been a little squirrely lately, um, but he, he still ranks highly in those other categories. 
Um, recent results, you know, 45th at the U.S. Open. I think some people may be a little disappointed in that. But, I mean, the guy hadn't played in a ton of majors, especially lately. So I, I, I wasn't terribly upset with that, but finished fourth at Memorial. Um, it doesn't really have a course history to speak of here. He's played it once in the last five years, missed the cut. It was a couple years ago. And I think a combination of a couple things. Uh, he, we saw, obviously, we see a price increase of, of Cantlay because he's coming off the U.S. Open. So, he, you know, he's in that, in that field, he's going to be a lot cheaper. Um, so a little, little price, price increase here at 8400 for Cantlay. Um, and then I think with the T45 finish and the lack of course history, I could see people getting off of him a little bit. Now, I could totally be misreading this. I mean, we're recording this on Monday night, so we'll see. But if he's a little lower owned, I, I will be significantly overweight on Patrick Cantlay. Um, I, I think as good a ball striker as this kid is, he is going to be in every event he plays in. If the ball striking continues and even the putting stays the same, he will be in every event. He has a chance to win to top 10 every event he plays in. If the putting comes around, he straightens out the driver a touch, he, he, he easily has a chance to win. So I, I think he's that talented. So at 8,400, I like Cantlay. Um, I totally agree with you on yeah, totally agree with you on Russell Knox. I had him. I had him circled. You're right. Sneaky good course history. I never. I'm never in love playing Russell Knox at eight thousand or Russell Knox uh, when he's chalky. So we'll see how that goes. Um, many a times I have been burned by a chalky Russell Knox. So we'll see how that goes. But he does rank quite highly in these stat categories, and uh, and the form is good. So I, I like him at eight thousand. But I also like your boy. J.B. Holmes mm. at 8,000 as well. Uh, listen to these stats. In the last 12 rounds, 17th in approach, 19th off the tee, 30th in around the green in this field. And in the last 24 rounds, 21st in DraftKings points scored. For a guy at 8,000, didn't play in the U.S. Open, a little, little rested, probably a little irritated, finished third at the St. Jude, 13th at the Memorial. His form is trending, 42nd at the Byron. 13th at Memorial, 3rd at St. Jude. Now, here he comes to this event. Uh, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think it's interesting. Not much course history to speak of. Played it one time in 2016, missed the cut. Don't care uh, about that. So, I think J.B. Holmes is an interesting move here at 8K. Okay. I'm, I'm all right with that. All right. Um, I'll let you start the 7K as well, starting with Luke List. Let's look at, uh, let's look at this top tier of the 7K range. Who you got? You're making me start both of them? Okay. Well, I started the top, the, first, the 10 and 9K range. Well, the no, I started the 10 range because you went and oh, got yeah, that's a right. drink. All right, but I'll start okay. the 6K. But that's okay. Um, here's the thing. I don't want to do this, but I feel like Keegan is a play. Oh! <laughs> By the way, I think that was the first time all year my Keegan radar was off last week. It I know was, I was off, kind of, but I, I, was think on you, him. I think you. I think you may have, like, prematurely ejaculated on him. So I feel like that doesn't sound very <laughs> That sounds terrible. Is but that you something know what? you struggle with, Pat? Is that, is that something you want to talk about? Do you need to get that off your chest? No, I'm, I'm insight, perfectly Insight Pat. I'm perfectly <laughs> fine, but I think Keegan is a good play this week. I mean, look, the guy's, uh, you know, he's, he checks the box in ball striking. Also, he is number two in the field if you look over the last 24 rounds in uh, strokes gained approach. Uh, he's top 30 in the field in drafting scoring. 
So I just think Keegan is 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 a good play here. So I I think that you know seventy nine hundred is also a, a pretty good price. Um, he's got pretty decent course history. So I, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of Keegan. I, I'm going to play him. Um, and I mean, because he look at like course history wise. Look at the last five years. He's made the cut five straight years. He was T eight last year. Um, he's got two top twenty five finishes in that five year time frame. Yeah, he's got a good history. So I mean, it's it's good. He's gained twenty six strokes on the field. So I have a hard time avoiding him. So I, I will play him. I do. I like Emiliano Grillo here at seventy seven hundred. Yep. Same. Um, I think he is a really good, just a great ball striker. Checks the box and strokes gain approach. This is a course that I feel like he can just really play well on. And then right below him, Kyle Stanley, who's been playing really well lately. I like him at 7,700. Um, he's another guy that's one of those just greens and regulation, you know, proximity type guys. I think he is a good play. Uh, there's a lot that I have here, actually, that I could I could go through. I like Brendan Steele at 7,600. Great course history. He's gained 34 strokes over the last five events that he's played here. I like C.T. Pan at 7,600. Oh, dang it. And I think Love C.T. Pan. This is a guy that, this is sneaky to me. I mean, he's got good recent form here. Um, his course history is good. Driving accuracy, greens and regulation, ball striking, all of it. He fits, he fits everything. I mean, you look, most people probably don't even know. This guy's played this event twice. And he's got a top 25 and a T8 last year. So... I mean that's that's pretty damn good. So CT Pan is seventy six hundred. I think it's well worth the play this week. Well, I mean, in the recent form, eighteenth at St. Jude, twentieth yep. at Fort Worth, thirty second at Byron Nelson, forty sixth at the Players. I mean, talk about form trending. Uh, CT Pan is is legit. Now, I, I don't think he's going to be as sneaky as we think because I think the DFS world is going to catch him. However, if you're playing in a big field GPP, you know, one of the larger GPPs on DraftKings especially, I think he's definitely going to give you some leverage. I mean, I don't see him I don't see him getting over, you know, 8%. The $7600 price price tag is a little makes me a little queasy on him cuz normally we don't see him that high. Um, but the form is there, the the the, you know, two-year sample size and history is there. Uh, it's an interesting play for sure. Now, here's a question. Are you willing to Shang Tsung in cash? Will you Shang Tsung? Yes, I will, actually. You would, you would Shang Tsung in your pan in cash? I don't, I don't know what you're trying to say there, but I feel like you're, <laughs> this is dirty, and I don't like it. I feel like you need to, you need to bleep out everything you just said. It's Fox Sports picking up on, on a very crude conversation around the, <laughs> around the microphone here. So you're willing to go Shang Tsung in, in, in cash? I would take him in cash, sure. I think yeah. that's a bold move. But, but yeah, I, 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 I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, if you, would, you take, all right, would you take him over Grillo? If you had to pick one, which you don't have to pick one in cash, but if you had to pick one, would you take him over Grillo? You know... Yes, I would. Wow, I wouldn't. I, I think. think I well, I think it's because of name recognition. You may not take, but I, I feel like if you took a, if you took, if you took Grillo 
and Pan and put them side by side, gave every single stat, course history, recent form, whatever it was, and put them side by side and did not put the names there that almost 100% of the time people would take Pan. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I think Grillo's, but but that's not what you're doing. And and you're looking at the 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 entirety of the player. And I think Grillo has a better pedigree. He's a better player. I think he's a safer bet, which in cash is what you're looking for. So I think I I, I thought we were going to get a little name game action here. I thought you were going to say no, and then I was going to hit you with Stanley and Steele and see what happened. But I mean, you you went right off the bat at, yeah, at right. Grillo. So, yeah. so I'm guessing you would take him over Stanley and Steele as well. Um, I will say this, CT Pan is, is probably my favorite play, maybe outside. A Keegan, I would probably take over him, but that's about it. You would, you're, wait a minute, you're going to take Keegan over CT Pan? Yes, I am. <laughs> what is happening right now? Holy moly. I can't believe you're, this is Pat. Is this Pat or Chris? Is this your twin? No, I mean, I'm just. I told I mean, you're you never that I like Keegan, Keegan Bradley. You you roll your eyes and like blow into the microphone in frustration all the time because of Keegan Bradley. And now you're willing to take CT Pan or Keegan Bradley over CT Pan? Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's impressive. Right. But but you're not willing to take him over Grillo. No. So you would take Keegan over Grillo. Yes. Well, no, no, okay, no, no, never mind. You would take, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you would take real. Wow, that's that's amazing. All right, that's interesting. Well, I like CT Pan. I'm with you. Um, I also like Grillo. Um, I like Jamie Lovemark. I think Lovemark's going to be a forgotten man in here. Rogers. Everybody's excited about Rogers because he played well in the U.S. Open. I think Rogers is a freaking. He's a facade. Like, I can't ever get the guy right. If there's another, if there's a guy on tour I can't get right, it's Patrick Rogers. Um, but but I think Lovemark is an interesting play. 37th in approach, 26th in strokes gained off the tee, 7th in strokes gained around the green, all in the last 12 rounds, and 16th in DraftKings points in the last 24 rounds. So in those four categories, his worst spot is approach at 37th. But he's a great wedge player, a bomber. Um, he's got he's got decent form here, a 37th at Memorial, a 17th at the Players. Um, not really a lot of great course history to speak of here, but I think he's having a decent year. I think Love Mark's an interesting play right there, so I, I could see I could see a little Love Mark. Other than that, that's it. I, I, I'm with you. I like I like Grillo. I like Love Mark. I like CT. Um. All right, let's look below 7,500. I'll start here. I think Johnny Vegas is an interesting play. I saw him. He tweeted something last night, or maybe it was today. That it was good to have, you know, to play four rounds at the uh, at the Open um, after after not really being in the best of form. He finished forty first. Um, now he's been making cuts. He just hasn't been doing great. But he played good in a tough field. He talked about how his game had been coming around a little bit, and and he felt better about the state of his game. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of think he's a sneaky GPP move. I don't have a whole lot to to back that other than other than what I just said. Strokes and approach, he's 30th in the field. That's about the only box he's checking. It's just kind of a gut play for me. Um, I mean, I'll go with the defending champ at 7,400 as well, and Kevin Streelman, a guy who's kind of fallen off the map after an incredible run of form. Missed the cut at the players, 76th at Fort Worth, 44th at Memorial, so not great. Um, but, uh, as I said, defending champ here in 2014, finished 8th here last year. 
So oh, well, I you're think not she, a defending champ if you want it. Not you, I didn't mean to say defending champ. Yeah, but he's he's <laughs> a he's a, a, past, a past champ. champ. Yeah. My bad, past champ. So anyway, I, I don't mind a little Streelman. I think Hadley at seventy three is ridiculous. Uh, he's easily my favorite play down here. Uh, I just think the stats are there. The results are there. I, I'm kind of throwing out the U.S. Open form. I mean, he's he's been playing really solid lately. Um, so I'm throwing that out on Hadley. I love him. And then finally in the 7K, my last guy is Keith Mitchell at 7,200. Um, third in strokes gained off the tee, 15th in DraftKings points scored. I, I, I just think when it's a scoring fest, a guy like Keith Mitchell can really – can really hammer at home uh third at the byron nelson a few weeks ago i'll I'll take some keith mitchell so that's it for me in the 7k your turn yeah i mean i i think you you mentioned a couple guys i like i think also kevin tway at 7100 is a good play he's played here twice was t26 in 2014 t43 last year um i I think he's just a a guy i mean typically people think of him as is more of a you know maybe a bomber but um he's He's, you know, he's a really good player. He checks the box in ball striking um, approach. He's top 40 in the field and in, in drafting scoring. Um, so I, I like Kevin Toy at 7,100, and that's, that's pretty much it for me here. All right. Um, in the 6K, I got two guys. That's it. Not really going, not really going too crazy in the 6K range. Um, I'll give you the, I'll give you, the guy I like the most, I'll give you him last. Um, but I like Tom Hoagie, Hollywood Hoagie at 6,700. Decent stats to be 6,700. Uh, not, not, not too bad. Um, 13th at the Memorial a couple weeks ago. Uh, so don't, don't mind that at all. Uh, finished 35th here last year. So not terrible for a guy at 6,700. The guy that I like the most is right above him in Matt Jones, the Aussie Matt Jones. Not a great record here, but um, checking some boxes, kind of not doing anything really poorly in these four major stat categories I'm looking at. Strokes gain approach off the tee around the green and DraftKings points, um, 32nd off the tee, 18th in uh, strokes gain around the green. 13th at the Byron Nelson, 6800 bucks. I think you get a guy in Matt Jones who, even in a stronger field like this, has maybe some top 25, top 15 upside. And it's 6800 bucks in a big GPP. I think that's I think that's legit. I won't be touching the $6,800 range or 6K range in any cash lineups. I, I don't I don't think you do that. Um, so that's that's it for me. Well, I agree with you. I don't think this is a range at all that with cash that you even put anything towards so i'm with you there i'll be fading it from that standpoint i think vaughn taylor is certainly worth a play at 6900 he he plays courses that you know this is a a guy that just he's not a long hitter this is a perfect course setup for him so i I do like him he checks the box in greens and regulation and driving accuracy as he always does um so i do like i do like some uh some vaughn taylor and he's made three straight cuts here he hasn't lit up the field i mean as far as i mean his best finish over the last three years is t38 2016 but i think this is a course that that vaughn can play well on um also like some bryce garnett at 6700 mm. checks a box in greens and regulation um hits fairways he was top 20 here in 2015 
Um, so I, I think he's, you know, he's played well this year for the most part. So I like some Garnett. Uh, and that's about it for me. I really just I don't really have a whole lot of guys here in the in the six K range um, that I'm going to be playing. I'm a, I like Hoagie though. I'm with you there. Well, we got to make sure we check FanshareSports.com as always. Um, you know, before you lock in lineups on Wednesday night, they can they'll they'll be able to tell you. You know, who's been talked up, who's not. They'll they'll let you know uh, how many people have caught on to CT Pan and Jamie Lovemark and. You know how just how sneaky some of those guys are. So go check out FanshareSports.com. You definitely want to get yourself a membership to that if you haven't already. It's like I think it's like ten bucks a month or something. So if you're trying to win GPPs and you're not using FanshareSports.com, you need to tell them we sent you. It's good stuff. It's our the last place I look before making lineups. And um, Pat, before we do one and done, um. I got. I got. I don't. I don't want to get into a whole lot of member guest discussion because we did a lot on Periscope and on on Instagram stories and such. But uh, we played in my member guest and we finished second in our flight. We won a little bit of money. Uh, but a lot of that is all because of Bushnell hooking us up with some killer rangefinders, dude. The new hybrid rangefinder from Bushnell that not only gives you the number to the pin when you shoot it, but it also has GPS built into it. Gives you the number to the front and the back and all the hazard distances as well. Uh, you know, I mean, it's worth at least for our games, Pat, it was worth at least a stroke per match, I would say, you know? Yeah, um, it, I, probably, I think I agree. It was. So we wouldn't want any money if it wasn't for Bushnell. So you guys go check out Bushnell. Thanks thanks to those guys for sending us a couple of rangefinders and, and trying out the new hybrid. Um, very, very cool. Uh, really enjoyed it. The, the, the fact that I can use the the target thing without GPS is cool, but then having the GPS built in is also cool to know the number to the front and the back. Very nice. Very nice. I feel like I have my, a caddy in my pocket. You know what I mean? It's very nice. Um, so you right, mean Pat. you weren't like, I mean, I was the one shooting the numbers for you. So, I mean, no, I was shooting them for you, buddy. Yeah. But I mean, but we were you, a I feel like you're we were giving more credit to the Bushnell than your, your partner. Well, the Bushnell's Bushnell mattered a lot. I mean, you mattered. You definitely mattered. Um, but the Bush, the Bushnell also mattered. Um, all right, Pat, we got one and done to take care of, buddy. And you know, last week I got I got to be honest, guys. Um, you guys know how poorly I've done in one and done all year. It's not it's not been a surprise. Last last week on the podcast, I believe I took Dustin Johnson, and then much to my chagrin, I was contacted by our boys at Gup's Corner that um, I could not take Dustin Johnson because I'd used him before, and I just basically blotted out of my memory all my picks for the year. And uh, so right say, before, that's why you got – so you just got lucky, basically. No, no, it's not lucky, but right before right before lineup lock, Josh Burkett at Gup's Corner contacted me, said, who do you want to take? You can't take Dustin. I thought about it for a minute, and I said, you know what? I'll take Dustin 2.0. Give me Brooks. So your boy got Brooks and the $2 million payday. Awesome. You're still awesome. behind me. Now I feel like we've got a little bit of a competition. We got, me and you have a little bit of a competition. Because now you were about, you were literally two, $2.5 or so behind me. <laughs> Who did you have last, last week? JT. Ah, okay. Well, that's not, still not terrible, but yeah. The $2 million payday definitely helped. So sorry I didn't help any of you, but... Um, Hopefully by this point you are you are you are avoiding the people that I take in one and done. That's what you need to do. 
So now we do have a little bit of a competition, but Pat, I'm going to continue to be a little ballsy here. I'm going to continue to be a little ballsy uh, because I'm not just competing against you. Now I feel like I've got a little bit of revived, you know, a, a little bit of a revived season here, and I'm going to go off the rails a little bit. Uh, now I know I haven't used this guy all year. I am going to go with Russell Knox as my one and done. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought about him. Um, this could be another situation like last week where I take a guy that I've taken before, but I don't think I've taken him. And this was this was somebody you didn't like, but I you you understood why I liked him. And I like this guy on courses that he is uh, comfortable on, that he's typically played well on. He almost, if if you look at his wins on tour, it's almost like he's had multiple wins on every single of the course that he he has his victories on, and that's going to be Bubba. So I'm going to take Bubba as my one and done this week. I feel like you've taken him before, but we'll we'll have to check. But we'll, we'll have, have to, to we'll check the records. It could be wrong. If not. Or if I have, then I'll do something else. But that's going to be my guess. By the way, speaking of Gup, got to meet Gup in Dallas this past week. Um, really enjoyed meeting him. He was uh, just such a great dude. Um, if you guys aren't over there on gupscorner.com, checking his stuff out, uh, a great golf better, handicapper. Um, they got a good thing going over there, and we appreciate them facilitating all the contests they facilitate. He's just a stand-up dude. Seems like a really genuine guy. So I appreciated uh, appreciated Gup and enjoyed meeting him. Um, so shout out Gup if you if you hung on this long in the podcast. We'll see if you did. You can tweet us, but if you don't tweet us, then we know you didn't hang on this long. So then you're in trouble. So. All right, boys and girls, that was a a lengthy show, but uh, we had to cover the U.S. Open. We hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. As always, don't forget to go listen to the Club Pro Guy native area segment, the best 30 minutes of your life. I guarantee it. All right? May your screens be green for the Travelers Championship. See you. Out. Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me somebody to love? Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. Somebody to love. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Point out the colors of you, I see them too, and boy, I like them, I like them, I like them. We wait to fly to partake in all this hate, we out here vibing, we vibing, we vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.